Father God, you alone deserve all of the praise, all of the glory, all of the honor, because it, there's no one else. I hope we don't worship. I hope we don't worship. You alone are worthy. So let the gospel go forth today in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a seat, everyone. Um, they sounded good, didn't they? I mean, I can, I'm partial because my wife is, okay. Um, before we get started, I got to thank a few people. First of all, to the pastors, pastors Justin, Mark, and Pastor Juan here at Warehouse, thank you so much. Um, y'all don't know how much they do in the background, but like they do a lot in the background, but thank you so much for working overtime to try to get this. Oh, I'm, I'm going to let you write, uh, bro, I'm going to be moving all across the stage. So if, if you, I, I mean, you get there? It's good? Okay, all right, because I'm maybe over here later. All right, just wanted to give you full warning. Uh, but Pastor Mark, Pastor Juan, and Pastor Justin, just give them a shout out. Our young adult, well, not our young adult, our youth, rather, there are, they are away at a retreat. Okay, that, that thing. They're there. So just uh, keep them in your prayers this weekend um, because it is an impactful weekend for them. It's one of those weekends, I'm not calling it a camp high, but I'm calling it one of those anchor points in your life right? And this weekend is very pivotal for our young people, so please keep them in prayer. And then I got to give one last um, just round of applause. Just this would not have happened without an idea. And that idea came from Zion. Zion had this idea over a year ago to have sort of a black history service where we get to come celebrate our diversity in unity. So this is an idea that has sprung forth, that has come alive, that has come to bear. This is the fruit of it, and we will build on this. But I'm so excited because Warehouse is a community that just, we just don't do just one style. We do all styles. But then, like, I'm excited for, I don't know if it's going to happen this year, but for Hispanic Heritage Month and, and whatever other months that we need to celebrate because I don't know what you think heaven's going to look like, but I'm pretty sure it's going to look different and sound different and smell different, and I'm excited for that. And we here at Warehouse, we want to be a part of that. So, Zion, thank you so much for pushing this. And give her a round of applause, please. Cool. I hope not to keep you long. I was like, hey, this is going to be like maybe 15, 20 minutes. I, I probably am lying on that, so maybe longer than that. But if you cool, y'all cool? All right. Who are you? Who are you? That's the title of the sermon, Who Are You? All right, so who are you? Just want to spend a few moments just discussing our identity and who we are as redeemed Sons and daughters, followers of Christ, right? Y'all remember the song back in the day? I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Filled with the Holy Ghost I am. All my sins are washed away. I've been redeemed. All right? And then it gets to verse 3. It was like for the haters. You can talk about me as much as you please, right? All right? This is for redeemed. This message is for redeemed folks. And if I'm looking out, I'm seeing a whole bunch of redeemed folks. So this message is for us. 
Now, to start this conversation, I just want to call you back to the movie Black Panther. How many of you have seen Black Panther, right? The first one. second one was dope. The first one with Chadwick Boseman, rest in peace. There, there's a scene in, the, in this movie, um, and Michael B. Jordan, who's playing, who's playing the character Eric Stevens or Killmonger, he gets brought before King T'Challa, and as the scene unfolds, you see Michael B. Jordan, he seems to kind of antagonize King T'Challa by saying, ask me who I am. Ask me who I am. So let's just watch it real quick. I want the throne. <laughs> hey, you, the tuna. <laughs> Y'all sitting up here comfortable. Must feel good. It's about two billion people all over the world that looks like us. But their lives are a lot harder. Wakanda has the tools to liberate them all. And what tools are those? Vibranium. Your weapons. Our weapons will not be used to wage war on the world. It is not our way to be judge, jury, and executioner for people who are not our own. Not your own. But didn't life start right here on this continent? So ain't all people your people? I am not king of all people. I am king of Wakanda. And it is my responsibility to make sure our people are safe and that vibranium does not fall into the hands of a person like you. Son, we have entertained the charlatan for too long. Reject his request. Oh, I ain't requesting nothing. Ask who I am. You're Eric Stevens, an American black operative, a mercenary nicknamed Killmonger. That's who you are. That's not my name, princess. Ask me, King. No. Ask me. Take him away. Ungubani, Indingu, Indadaka, Unyanaka, Ndobu. Huh? Unyanaka, Ndobu. I found my daddy with panther claws in his chest. You ain't the son of a king, you are a son of a murderer. We have all seen son. Lies! I'm afraid not, Queen Mother. What? You, Indadaka, Ndobu. Hey, Auntie. All right. That scene has so much sweat. Hey, auntie. Like, I, I mean, I don't know about y'all, but for like four months straight, anytime, you know, we were walking across the street and be like, hey, 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 Wakanda. For like four months, it's just, it was such a powerful movie. But that scene alone, hey, auntie, it was an anchor point in the movie because Eric Stevens, before this, he's a nobody, at least in their mind. He's a mercenary for hire with no allegiance to anyone but himself. When they ask him who he is, he states his true identity. Indijaku, son of Njobu. They realize because of his father, he was indeed royalty. Y'all picking that up? Okay. His identity revealed his royalty along with his royal rights, which can only be given by his father. So if I were to have you to write something down, it would be this. Point number one, your identity is established at birth. Now, I know the climate that we live in, this is not one of those statements. This is just a fundamental fact that when you are born, your identity is established at birth, especially in the gospel. We'll, we'll continue. Point number two, you can't name yourself. Like, I didn't come out the womb and be like, hey, my name is Nope. You cannot name yourself. There has to be someone greater than you 
who has the authority to name and identify you. Black Panther, we're not going to come back to it. I just wanted to use that scene because the theme of that is so powerful. Who are you? I want to unpack that with, with you all today. Is that cool? And especially for those of us who put our faith in Jesus. Those of us who, who have been baptized. When I ask you, who are you? How do you respond? This is for the believers. This conversation is for us. We're, we're all in on Jesus, right? Who are you? See, for so long, when I, I would answer that question, as a believer, I was playing this, this weird sort of game. It was, it was like, I'm just a sinner, saved by grace. But the emphasis was always on sinner, never on grace. I lived in this tension, this in-between, this unsettled space, or you can call it the sunken place. This reality of sinner and saint, not yet fully dead to the world, not yet fully alive to Christ, sort of like this zombie, neither hot or cold. I would act as my own fruit inspector. <laughs> like I, I, would, I would be looking at my behavior as the justifier of my identity. And then I would see verses like Matthew chapter 7, verse 16, and it will say things like, you know, you will know them by their fruits. And then in my poorly constructed narrative about myself, I believed that my behavior equaled my identity. Actually, if you go back and look at that passage, it's really crazy. Jesus is actually talking about false prophets. He's not talking about his kids. He's talking about false prophets because false prophets actually cannot bear good fruit. I unfortunately gave my behavior too much power. I gave it too much power in swaying my identity so that on Saturday morning when I just so happened to have prayed and read my quarterly, I made it to Sabbath school on time, you know, I, I, I listened to heritage singers and take six, I heard the sermon, afterwards I got myself some haystacks, I, go, I, you know, I took a Sabbath afternoon nap, I felt righteous. And then after that nap, you know, sundown came, right? You looked at, you know, the clock, ooh, it's okay, it's 8 p.m. now, the sun is down. I'm just talking about me. If this relates to you, if the shoe fits. After sundown, I would find myself magically at a nighttime establishment doing some things that I, you know, wouldn't necessarily agree with in the day but did in the night. After participating in foolishness, you wake up the next morning full of regret. Does that shoe fit? I used my behavior as the evidence that I, that I hadn't fully been delivered. You know, check this out. Deliverance has nothing to do with the one who needs deliverance. It has everything to do with the one who can deliver. And for, for us who are giving ourselves like gold stars who are like reading our Bible and praying every day, that's cool. Like, please do those things. But if you're doing that in order to get favor with God, Scripture calls it works or better yet, filthy rags. And if you really want to unpack the definition of filthy rags, it's not, it's not pretty. We got children in here, so I'll spare you. So my goal by the end of this conversation, we are clear. You and I, were clear on what the scriptures say, not what I say, but what the scriptures say. So you can confidently walk out of here and believe in the word, the word of God over your life, so you can know who you are. 
Is that cool? Hang on, lie. I'm nervous about this one. So I'm going to pray again for me, but I'm going to pray again. Father, oh, man. Okay, you gave me this word a while back, and it's been on my heart for our community here. And so I'm going to preach it in boldness and confidence. So whatever fear and anxiety that is popping up, just let that pass away. Um, because truth, truth will be declared. Because truth is a person. Truth is Jesus Christ. And I appreciate you, Jesus, for all that you've done. Amen. All right, cool. Let's go ahead and answer the question. Who are you? I'm going to answer for us. You are holy. You are righteous. You are co-heirs with Christ, children of God. You are free. You are free. How did this happen? Well, first, you got to understand the gospel. All right, y'all understand the gospel? Let's understand it together. What is the gospel? It means what? It means what? All right, cool. What is the good news? The good news is that Jesus Christ died and he was buried but rose again and lives forevermore, seated at the right hand of the Father. That is the good news. What are the implications, you ask? What are the implications? All right, cool, great question. Here's the implications. His death and burial freed you from the power of sin. And his resurrection justifies you. How do I know? I read it in the book. It's on my laptop, but it's from the book. Romans 4, 24, 25, it teaches this. It will be counted to us who believe in him and that it, that it is, oh yeah, that it is actually like righteousness. Like righteousness will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord. Verse 25, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Okay, cool. The book says that. That's dope. What are those implications? Simply put, the power of sin is broken. Meaning that sin can no longer enslave you. And you and I, right now, we have right standing before God as free. As free. Last year I preached a sermon about Harriet Tubman. And if you know anything about Harriet Tubman, her story is powerful. But... The point was that she was born a slave because how the law worked was that if your parents or if your mother was a slave, you would be born a slave. But if your mother was free, you would then would be born free. The gospel actually kind of mirrors that sort of idea, that sort of thinking where because of Adam, you'll find this in Romans chapter 5. Read your Bible. It's dope. Romans chapter 5 kind of breaks this down. Adam, who is our father, because he partook of the fruit, it came along with some consequences, and the consequences were this, sin and death. And then everybody after Adam will be born slaves to sin and death. Y'all following? Well, see, this is dope. There was Adam, and then there's a second Adam. There's a second Adam, and the second Adam does something even greater than the first Adam could have ever done. That's my tendency, Adam. All right? The second Adam does something greater than the first Adam could have ever done. Romans chapter 6, it teaches this. Since we have been united with him in his death. That's dope, right? Like, do you know how you got united with Christ? You got united with him in his death. We will also be raised to life as he was. 
We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. We are no longer what? For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we also will live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he ain't going to die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives to the glory of God. So you should also consider yourselves. And that consider is not like, hey, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pondering about this idea. No, 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 no. That consider in the Bible is actually come to grips. Like reckon, like actually face reality. You should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. This is the gospel. Like that's the gospel. And, and, and it's so offensive because it actually speaks truth to a lie. All of this was accomplished outside of anything that you could have ever done, good or bad. It was already accomplished outside of you. How do I know? Bible. But when, this is Titus 3, 4. Titus verse, chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Christ Jesus our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs. Are y'all picking up what the scripture is laying down? You're not wretched and dirty and awful and filthy. You are an heir. Why is this important to know? Point number three is because Christ came to free sons and daughters. Free sons and daughters who were held captives as slaves. They were held captives as slaves to sin. He didn't come to rescue slaves and sinners and leave them as such. Yo, what good is the cross if nothing happens? Like, what good is the cross if nothing changes? What is the point of the gospel, the good news, if the news is that you are still a slave? Math don't math. In my old thinking, I, I used to hold on to the slave mentality. And what I mean by that was, like, you know, free people who don't know that they're free. It's not our fault, though. It's not our fault. The reason that I for so long, and maybe you resonate with this, but the reason for so long that I didn't know it was because there was an enemy. <laughs> there was an enemy actively working to suppress the truth. Like the lie was that I was still enslaved. Like real life example. Do y'all know why we celebrate Juneteenth? Do y'all know why do we in this country, especially African-Americans, 
that we celebrate Juneteenth in this country. It is because when the Emancipation, Emancipation Proclamation, say that ten times fast, when it was declared, not all enslaved people heard the news at the same time. This is wild. Their slave masters who purposely withheld the good news from their slaves until the troops arrived some two and a half years later on June 19th declaring the gospel that y'all are free. We got a liberator, y'all. We have a savior. But not only that, he then gives us everything so that when we are free, we're not trying to pick ourselves up by our own bootstraps. Oh, man. That'll preach. He gives us everything so we can live free with power right now to live a life of freedom in him. Not a life of like wild and reckless living. It's a life of freedom in him. Colossians 1 says this, starting in verse 12. He has enabled you to share. You see how he doesn't leave you by your bootstraps? To share in the inheritance. So when he frees you, he actually gives you stuff. In the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Murph, I hear you, bro. But isn't it just a matter of semantics? I mean, I believe in Jesus. But I don't think that I'm worthy to be called righteous. My question to you is, why do you feel more comfortable being called a slave? All too often, I just, I, I hear this. I hear well-meaning Followers of Christ who love the Lord with all their heart refer to themselves as sinners, as slaves, not realizing that they're more comfortable identifying with their former slavery than their secured righteousness. Negating the power of God in their life. Okay, so it's really phenomenal to me, like my wife and I, we, you know, we read articles and she's a nutrition coach. And it's just so phenomenal to see how the world actually interprets the gospel, but not really uses the gospel, but they know that it's the gospel. It's really wild, right? Like my wife has this saying for her nutrition clients that identity breed function, right? Like what you believe about yourself is what you will then actually participate and then do. So if you consider yourself to be a healthy person and you think of yourself as a healthy person, then you will then go out and do things that healthy people do. Like you will get good sleep. You will drink more water. You will actually exercise because you, you have identified as a healthy person. Like that's, 
That's actually how the world uses the gospel without really knowing that it's the gospel. But like James Clear says this. James Clear says this in, the, um, in Identity-Based Habits. The key to building lasting habits is, focus, is focusing on creating a new identity first. Your current behaviors, <laughs> like this is wild. Your current behaviors are simply a reflection of your current identity. What you do now is a mirror image of the type of person you believe that you are either consciously or subconsciously. And then he says, to change your behavior for good, <laughs> to change your behavior for good, you need to start believing new things about yourself. You need to build identity-based habits. You see how he's saying the gospel without saying the gospel? Folks, we don't build a new identity. We actually believe the identity that was already given to us. Like, we believe truth. And since truth is a, per truth is a person, truth is a person. It's not a concept. It is not a concept. Because truth actually declares, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Truth is a person. So since he is all truth, I should listen to him when it comes to my identity, especially over my own, like, how I think about myself. Colossians 1, 22. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. <sighs> that hits. I don't know if that hits for you, but like it hits. Like that you actually get to stand before God without guilt, shame, and condemnation. He's brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. All right, Murph, I hear you, man, but I'm still sinning. I know what I did last night. I know whose DM I slid into the other day. Uh, that conversation that I entertained way too long. That video that I watched, Murph, I'm still sending. Cool. Righteousness, it ain't based on your behavior. It is a gift. Open it. Like my boy uses this analogy, and I love it. He's like, but if I mailed everybody in here in this room a new, iPhone, a new iPhone 15 Pro Max and it delivered to your house, all right, you signed off on it, but you put it on your dining room table, what good is it? Open it. Use its full power, function, and capability. Take pictures. Video record your kids running around the house. Open the righteousness. Believe that Jesus has defeated the power of sin. And, and, and this, is, this, is, this, is, this is key. You have to understand 
that the power of sin was broken through his death and, then, and that Jesus actually attached you to his death. So when death and sin tries to come for you, Jesus is like, nope, they're mine. Die to the life of sin and slavery that you were never destined, that you were never destined for. Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Nah. Nope. Uh-uh. Why? How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Baptism is not just a declaration of coming to the Adventist church. At baptism has this real function where you're saying, like, the life that I was never to, to live as a slave, I want it dead and gone. Like, I'm a proud Adventist, but, like, if you're trying to be baptized to become Adventist, that ain't the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel is we're going to die as slaves, but we're going to resurrect to new life. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. The newness of life is from when we believe the word of truth, that we believe the good news, and that we are born again. Justin, this is not on the, on the, on the notes, but I added this because I was just doing This is Galatians 4. This is Galatians 4. And because you are sons, you see the identity? Because you are sons, and I'm going to add daughters. I'm going to take the liberty. God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so that you are no longer a slave, but a son and daughter. And if a son and daughter, then heir. Then heir. Back to point number one. Your identity is established at birth. So you must be born again. You can't name yourself. There has to be someone greater than you who has the authority to name and identify you. So let me give all that authority to the one who actually, when he speaks, all of reality bends. When he says, let there be light, some light appears. I will give authority to that person versus my own. 2 Corinthians 5, therefore, 5.17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, y'all knew, knew, y'all knew, knew, the old is gone, the new is here. So when the enemy is trying to be like, hey, you remember you was watching WWW, yeah, you know what, I was participating in my former slavery, but nah, man, I'm new, new. Closed laptop. Hey, you know you was doing this. Hey, you know what? You're right. And I forgot who I truly was. I just happened to forget. There's no excuse for it, but I just happened to forget. But I'm a son. I'm a daughter. And this isn't some sort of like, you know, you get to go and do whatever you want. No, like the Bible is clear. Like whatever you present yourselves to, you will then become a slave to. So present yourself to righteousness. This is only made possible through Jesus. He is the only one who can really make a way. So who are you? 
How do you answer? Slave or free? Free? Are you still waiting for your Juneteenth moment? In the story of the prodigal son, um, y'all know the story. You find it in Luke chapter 15. If you've been in church long enough or Sabbath school long enough, you heard the story of the prodigal son. So, In the story of the prodigal son, the younger son comes up to his dad and asks for his, his inheritance, right? And the dad graciously gives it to him. The son then takes his inheritance. He then goes and and squanders it in wild and wasteful living. It's kind of how the the Bible describes it, like wild and wasteful living. I don't know what he did. Maybe he gambled it. Maybe he, I don't know, bought a new car, new chariot. But wild and wasteful living. A famine comes. Like, well, first, he runs out of money. But then a famine comes. Since he ain't got no money, he can't really eat. So he then hires himself out to a citizen of the other country. And that citizen doesn't know who he really is. So he's like, go feed the pigs. And it's wild because while he's feeding the pigs, he's longing to eat what they have, but he's not going to eat it. And it's crazy because he's like, hey, you know what? In my father's house, they're hired servants. And if I can go back, to my father as a servant, then maybe I can get some food. You see the slave mentality? You see the slave mentality? Like he wants to go back as a servant. So he creates this narrative. He's like, hey, I'm going to say, dad, I sinned against you and against heaven Make me a hired servant. Cool, cool, cool. That's what I'm going to do. All right, cool, cool. Let me get myself picked up. Let me get this mud off me. Yeah, I smell like pig, but it's all good. Okay, cool, cool. And he makes the distance back home. Make me a hired servant. Make me a hired servant. I sinned against you. I sinned against God. Make me a hired servant. No, 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 no. Make me a hired servant. No, no, that's too, too. Oh, man, he's going to kill me. Make me a hired servant. 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 Make me a hired slave. Scriptures don't really leave him there because he gets up to his dad And he sees something that is just weird for that time. He sees his dad running. And if you know anything about Jewish customs, like like people of authority and stature and status, they don't run. 
people come to them. So I can just imagine his dad with his, his robes. He sees his sons and he, he sees them off in the distance. He can see a figure, but he's like, that's, that's my kid. Hikes up his robe, starts to trot. It looks weird. It looks funny. But he's, he's running. And the son sees it. And in his mind, he's like, my dad is about to, he's about to make me a higher servant, 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 make me. Dad, I've sinned against you and, and heaven. Make me a higher. Dad says, hey, to his servants, go get a robe. Go kill the fatted, the fatted calf. Let us feast. Because my son, who was once dead, is now alive. My homeboy preaches that sermon way better than I can. It's, it's a real sermon, and it's dope. It's powerful. But it was, it was a pivotal moment for me because when he says his line in the sermon, it, it hit for me. The problem that we've always preached the prodigal son as though he was prodigal, forgetting the entire time he was son. That hit for me. Because the son didn't even have the authority to name himself a slave. Even with his slave mentality, he didn't even have authority to name himself a slave. Because there was someone greater than him who actually had all authority and said, no, you are my son. You smell like pig, but you're still my son. You look musty and dusty. Let's put a robe on you. And in fact, I'm going to put a ring on your finger. Either this dad is stupid, but a ring signifies that you actually have power and authority again, and you actually get to do business on behalf of the family. No, dad is not stupid. The dad knows that his son is in its rightful state as an heir. Who are you? Slave or free? I invite you to believe the gospel. I invite you to believe the word of truth over your life so that if you're wrestling with that identity, of wrestling if you really truly are a, a son and or a daughter and that you are free, you'll take that up with Jesus. Let him tell you. Open up the scriptures and just, and just start seeing what he says about you. I promise you he's not going to say, oh, you wicked, dirty, ugly. Nope. That was my narrative. That was the narrative that I played in my head for way too long. I hope that it's not the narrative in your head. But if it is, let me pray this prayer with you. Father, you are gracious enough. You are just gracious enough to always speak our identity over us as sons and daughters. So that we will no longer believe the lie from the enemy that we are not such. And then you were gracious enough 
to help us remember by giving Jesus so that when Jesus actually rises again, we can actually look at him and say, oh, I'm free. I'm free because of Jesus. I'm free because of what he did. And yes, while I couldn't earn it, I do deserve it because I am a son and I am a daughter. And because you believe that I deserve it, I will now live that way. I don't need to create a new identity. I just need to believe the one that you gave me. So Holy Spirit, anyone that's in this room wrestling with it, prick and prod and poke, don't let them leave here comfortable. Let this seed that has been scattered, Holy Spirit, you water it. And when the right time comes, let it bear fruit. I thank you. And we love you. Amen.